Mike, turn your games down. Hi, we're going to TMT comic episode of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Hubbard, and who's coming back to New York with me tonight? One of the mute animals, Red Fox. <laughs> and we are continuing our Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic adventure, voyage. I don't know what word is best here. <laughs> so this time we are covering uh, just the arc called Monsters, Misfit, Misfits, and Mad Men, which is issue 33 through 36. And we're covering the 2014 annual. You know, I think I understand now why there's an annual in 2013. There's an annual in 2014 and there's nothing again until 2020. I think I understand yep. why. You, you, can get, you can get the idea. <laughs> they just are like, yeah, these don't, these are stupid. We're going to not make these anymore. Yeah, and I when know. I was clicking around, I know the 2021 at least had five turtles on the cover. So I know it's already past that point by that time. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> when there's more turtles. All right. Actually, so I think for- the, the best part of this entire comic is probably just to start where they like show the gritty New York. That's that's something Eastman always did. Not, you know, very well is show the grittiness of New York and his vision. But after that, we'll we'll get into what happens. <laughs> it's I mean, the cover got my interest. Because on the cover, you see the turtles, you see somebody holding a weird Japanese lamp that reminded me of a particular movie. And I was like, okay, I'm I'm in, like, I'm interested. Like, you're going to reference that the movie, you know, exists somewhat in this canon. Like, I mean, not movie canon, but like... I think that, because Renet actually was a character born out of the Mirage series. So I think she might have even had that scepter back then. Okay. Could be wrong on that. I don't remember fully, but I knew she was in it. I just don't know if the scepter was fully a thing. I think it is, but I won't go back and read Mirage because I also don't like black and white comics. Yeah, there's multiple issues with Mirage other than it being black and white. Yeah, it's hard for me. Like it, it's, I'm also not a big fan of this style of art that they have for this issue, which is the Eastman style, as I like to. Mm-hmm. The way I classify it for this, like it's just well, that's what it is. Yeah, I don't like it. It's too it's ugly to me. It is very dated. I mean, like I said, like the only thing I get out of his drawings for the most part is, is some of the grittiness. Like there was even um, in more recent years when they did the first Power Rangers Turtles crossover, they had him do a couple covers with his version of the Power Rangers with the turtles. And it looked actually really nice in his art style. It was really cool to see that. It's, it is definitely more of like kind of a novelty thing though. Like to have a full blown issue, a, a bigger issue too. I think this this annual is actually kind of long, right? Like it's not, it's not yeah. good. It's longer than I was expecting. But then again, annuals in comics, annuals just are. So that's not an unusual thing. Comic, I mean, annuals usually are like you know, here's your issue is going to cost a little bit more than your regular issue. That is a side story. It doesn't connect with the other stuff. So, and they did so put this in one actually does connect. It's just that for that connection, you got to wait. Yeah, because it even says that. in here this story takes place before Turtles in Time number one. Yeah, so obviously it's it's canon in the timeline. It's just not an enjoyable one. It's supposed to be a fun side ride or whatnot, but um, yeah, it doesn't really pan out that way. No, I mean there were cool like like you said the way it starts off where you see the you know gritty new york i mean that does look cool and it does you know kind of touch on the fact that they just came back to the city you know things are kind of a mess you know they're talking about how they're trying to you know fix up their you know their their cave 
or their lair for you know, and, the, and like they set up this trap for Leo or something too. It's like the whole idea that does pay off in my in my they're mind. Trying to, they're they're trying to get Raph, but oh, okay, Leo that's and what Raph up at the same time, and yeah. And then you, <laughs> and then you have Casey and April, but April has more hair now for some reason in this drawing, which changes next. Uh, but you know, <laughs> it's an annual, but like. You have a you know a small moment of them just going to a hockey game, like little things, you know. Them, but also kind of contradicts the next issue of the main series that takes place after this. That kind of shows you how Casey is not okay. Right. It's just weird, and like they do a they do a good job of showing you that it all takes place in one mo like in a moment because you have Splinter get irritated, read the paper, and then in the time that he's reading the paper is also by the time that they come back. Like, cause they, they disappear and come back. They go through time. It's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> For, it's hard to explain. Like, the girl that shows up, or the woman that shows up in this, I don't remember her name. Oh, Rennet, that you were mentioning earlier. Rennet, yeah. I'm pretty, I, I agree. I'm 99% positive that you're right, that she does have that staff in the Mirage comics, too. So one thing about time travel with Turtles, or in most cases, I think most genres or most uh, ips if they bring in time travel unless it's chrono trigger then it makes sense <laughs> if you bring in time travel it's, and dimensional travel sometimes it gets a little messy and this is kind of a introduction to how messy things can tend to be later on on some of the side the side like stories when you're going to turtles in time that's kind of coherent and for the most part i feel but when you get to like bebop and rocksteady kind of side stories stuff like that you start to lose track. Like, what the fuck is going on? It's chaos. It's pure chaos. I mean, time travel is a hard concept to make work in general because you, I mean, the reason, <laughs> since you opened up this can of worms, I mean, like, the reason it works for trigger is you have very set destinations that you're messing with in the, in the fiction. So you change something 600 years ago, you come into the future, you know, 400 years later, things are different enough. Like, you know, if you give a you give a woman some jerky for free, who's rich, her husband, her her great great grandson will be a nice guy. But if you don't, he'll make you cluck like a chicken for ten for ten gil. So you know that <laughs> that's a different thing. Yeah, no idea what you're talking about there. Yeah, nothing. But <laughs> I don't know what you sunstone. What are you talking about? There's there's no reason there's sun coming out of my roof of my house. No, nothing here. Never heard of it. So yes, but I mean, I, I agree. Like time travel can be very difficult to do and. I don't know enough, but I do like when she shows up and she's like, hey, guys, we know each other. Like, who the fuck are you? And she's like, oh, yeah, we and met at a like, different time. Yeah. 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 So it's kind of funny. I, I don't hate Rennet as a character. I think that's fine because, I mean, back when she was introduced in Mirage, she had the Valley Girl kind of talk. And as, as this series goes on, she's going to show up again. She'll have that. And you'll see others from, I guess, I don't know, her, her timeline to where they talk. Everybody talks like that. So it's kind of interesting and, and not a bad character. I don't hate the character. I hate kind of some of the writing around the character. Yeah, this issue wasn't like super strong writing. I mean, I liked it that when she makes that comment, she's like, you know, we met before. And I was thinking, well, is she kind of talking about the Mirage Turtles? Because she met them in the Mirage and it could be that they're referencing that. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I think that's what it is. Okay. Um, because like I, I, I might have told you before, there is a point to where that kind of crosses. So I, I think they'll 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 clarify it more during that arc that this is that same Renit. Okay, I mean that makes sense because she makes a comment about like time travel and I mean world 
you know, kind of like, because the whole idea is that if you butterfly that, you change something, you know, it's a different world. But since her time is different, maybe she's at the end of time, you know, and she's traveling back. So it doesn't affect things as much for her. <laughs> but the idea where she just kind of like, hey, I need your help. Let's go. And then she just takes them, you know, to some weird dimensional world. And my issue with it is the comic starts off in color. And when they go to this different place, it's all in black and white for the most part. And that bothers me because it takes away an element of what I enjoy in comics. I enjoy color in comics. I enjoy telling the turtles apart. <laughs> I mean, that is a nice part, too. They cry. You, that was that was half the issue with Mirage back then is I didn't know who the fuck was who. You know? Yeah, no, it's it's annoying. And it, it bothered me in this, too, because I don't like it when you can't tell them apart. And, and, and you don't have the luxury of having their weapons as backup. Like, oh, that's Raph. He's out of sight. No, it's, it's, they have their own makeshift gladiator weapons in this. And you got, and this is something I wanted to bring up, too, is that maybe you can tell by the dialogue. Well, guess what? You're not going to really tell by the dialogue because the way they write them in this is actually different than the way they write them in the main series or in the rest of the series, I should say. Everything is weird. Like, I didn't understand. She teleports them to this place. They're immediately, like, arrested or something to, and put in cages. Or like a cell, and then they meet a Conan Barbarian style character. Well, she she took them there because I guess she wanted them to help out with these these multi dimensional gladiatorial games. So they go and help out, and then obviously they get captured, thrown away, and you see what happens. They they pretty much eventually revolt. But that's that's what the turtles are there for. I know, but I just I didn't like it. I didn't like the whole Conan character either. Like, I, I can almost bet there's a there's a lot of people. Well, maybe not a lot, but there's there's probably a certain part of the fan base that really enjoys these side kind of like fun, mindless stories, and and that's okay. But for the most part, that's not what we IDW has shown that that, that they like to put out there. So I, at least it's kind of more of like a one off to where it's like, all right, I got to endure this mindless episode here. But other than that, <laughs> we're not used to this kind of dialogue or. Pettiness, silliness, I should say. No, and it was hard for me. It was hard for me. It was to... definitely hard. Like, I, it took me a while to get through just this first one because I was like, oh, man, here we go with this, like, fun Eastman style. I think he, he even, like, co-wrote it on this one. And it, and it shows just in, like, based on the way the turtles talk, you know. <laughs> and it shows. I like that because you're not wrong at all. <laughs> it definitely shows. It fits his style. And that's not and a good thing. No, how, how, how much can we say? I mean, yeah, he's one of the actual creators of it. So if this guy wants to go in, go in and have a blast and have a good time, it's cool in that sense. <laughs> but it doesn't mean we got to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm certain standard sure. now with IDW. Neither of us did from the sound of that comment. So, <laughs> yeah. no, it just didn't. It didn't do it for me. Me either. And, and there's not really much to get into with this one. Like, yeah, you see some different types of races uh, as far as gladiators. I think there's even Triceratons. There is. That were gladiators. So that's kind of interesting kind of seeing stuff like that. But um, any other thing they say or do, almost completely throw away. They're just fighting in an arena with different weapons. I mean, there's a little bit of, like, it's black, white, and gray. A lot of gray and browns that they use. It kind of like, oh, look, this is a reddish bandana. Or, like, this is, you know, the but at the same time, like you said, they don't have their weapons. It doesn't. It's just bad. Yeah, uh, there's nothing I took away from this that I really enjoyed. I mean, other than seeing Rennet, because I don't mind her. I guess that's it. Anything else? No, not so much. No, I, I didn't mind Rennet being in it. Like to me, 
that was fine. You know, like you see a bunch of them. I only read this issue once because I just couldn't stomach it a second time. <laughs> yeah, I, I never want to read this issue again. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, there's a lot of back and forth. Like, Rennet, you know, is arguing with the council member. You have them getting tortured by the guards and they're torturing the prisoners. And then, like you said, they, they eventually lead a revolt and then the council is overthrown. It's just like, and I was just wondering myself, like, is this going to make any sense? Like, if there's any purpose to this but it, it just felt so i would have rather just had them in new york a random issue where shit happens and i would have been happy with that i would have loved to just see them like getting their bearings together but, i mean they kind of do that in the next issue next issue they started off right yeah like they, they, this is kind of shoehorned in i mean it is an annual so i get it fucking annuals like that's all i got Fuck it. <laughs> yeah it was uh, it was a bit torturous I mean, I'm trying to think anything else in here. Yeah, they revolt. They eventually get teleported back, and then Leo steps in the trap that they designed. You have a whole spread page of all the dumb shit that happens to him, and then he laughs. And then it shows Rennet takes the Conan Barbarian to prehistoric time for lunch. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm assuming the Barbarian guy will show up again. I think you assume wrong, because I don't think he does. <laughs> oh, okay. I just figured he'd be someone they'd want to use again, not... But then again, uh, no, I mean, he sucks as a character anyway. Well, I don't disagree so, with you. <laughs> so I mean, they don't I mean, <laughs> no disagreeing here, but I'm just I figured they would like, you know, they went through this trouble to make a whole issue that has him in it. I thought they'd bring him back. The only thing in this entire issue that they really reuse is, is going to be run it. That's it. In other words, I didn't need to read this issue at all. OK, almost not. No. OK. Yeah. Well, hey, I did skip the last annual we were supposed to cover for this. We both did. So, hey. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was, you know, that, that's actually true that that one sucked even more than this one. This one's bad. Mm-hmm. That one that had a little more weight to it, I guess, kind of was more, almost more important, but still sucked. <laughs> no, that one was definitely more important, but it, it wasn't for us. So I'm OK that we didn't read it. That's neither here nor there. So <laughs> And then that brings us to the next one, which is issue 33, which is like the beginning of, you know, the continuation of, of the series. And this is what actually matters. I do like that because um, the way that I'm reading these, it shows me all the different variant covers. And one of the variant covers for free comic book day back in 2014 was the, the first tur- the first design of what they drew of a turtle. The really, really ugly ass design they did. Oh, the fat Mikey. <laughs> yes. Where he has a turtle tail. <laughs> Yeah, tail. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, shit. Even the, the the redesigns for the first actual comic in Mirage, they had turtle tails until shit. I, I couldn't tell you what issue, but they had them for a while, and they probably eventually took it out because it looked like two different things. One, <laughs> well, the toys took it out because it looked like a dick. Right. Then in the comics, not only did it sometimes look like a dick, but it looked like a piece of shit come out of their ass. I mean, it was one or the other. <laughs> they I mean, look, keep... at, look at Mike in here right now. Kind of, you know. <laughs> suspect <laughs> and then then the issue starts off and i oh i should talk about the actual cover that we got i'm okay with the actual cover like we're still kind of sneaking around in an alley and they're drawn back to normal they're still a little i mean they always change the art does change a lot throughout the series it does i do I'm, like it though i do like I, I felt great actually seeing this cover not because it's just masterfully done it's that that's not my my point it is a good cover good art for the most part but i enjoyed this even more so and, and i felt like i could breathe again because of that annual i just read before this one it really <laughs> sucked so much ass i was glad to see this again so this is gonna be like one of those show me where it hurts you yeah 
<laughs> Where did the book hurt you? Show me. <laughs> no, but I agree. It was just just hard. Like this even starts off really interesting. Like you just have it's like New York City, and it just shows some people robbing a bank, and the turtles are just watching. And then all of a sudden, they they get involved because the the oh yeah, they they make the idiots crash by throwing you know little things down. You, you just have a quick two pages of them beating the shit out of these guys without even being noticed. Yeah, and that's the whole goal, right? I mean, they're they're back in town, they're ready for business, and they say it, and when they're on the rooftop when they're done, they're like, yeah, this is his training, you know, for the foot and shredder. Yeah. Or, and what, what I thought was even more interesting is that they emphasize, like, hey, we're not heroes, we're not crime fighters, and Leo even kind of almost gets like aggressive about it towards Mikey, who kind of, well, he's the youngest, he, he does live that childlike kind of lifestyle, and he's like, we are not heroes, this is not what we do. We fight the foot. We take care of big threats. And that's the fairest way to put it, though. You know, I mean, that is what they do, and they're good at it. Yeah, and, you know, as much as sometimes people might say, yeah, turtles are kind of like superheroes, I guess in a way, but their purpose typically is is very focused. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. And I I like it in this. I like it how they're like, well, no one saw us, and they just, you know, it just shows them. And Leo's like, we're not here to stop crime. We're here to practice and get ready to take Shredder on. Because that's what we need to do. And I thought that was a good point because that is what they need to do. You know, they need to be Shredder. And even more so as, as this arc goes on, because one of the underlying thing, uh, themes is that urgency to take the Technodrome down. And if they're sitting here playing around and just stopping crime for the hell of it, they're not focusing enough to get one problem out of the way, which is Shredder, and then to ultimately take down the te- Technodrome. Time you, is not necessarily on their side. <laughs> no. And that is, and it's also like all four of these issues almost feel like one-offs in a way, but it works very well. And that kind of surprised me how much I really like that. Like this I issue. Yeah, I thought, I thought it made sense. You know, like pretty quickly you see, you know, after they're jumping around, you see Bebop and Rocksteady robbing a, 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 a van and Hun is there, you know, leading the charge, you know. You see a Hun, you know, working for Shredder, and you have a very good scene of where Shredder's like, "Well, about your son." And I'm just like, oh yeah, yeah. Might as well get this out of the way. <sighs> and and he presents it to him. I guess we'll get to that more so, but he presents it to Hun as if he's doing him a favor yeah. by telling him that's that's that manipulation that Shredder is is known for. And he's, I mean, and just the, like, this this issue, well, I mean, kind of like the whole thing in this arc, these four issues, is it's very much about Casey. And mm. I got to say, that was a welcome change. Agreed. I mean, there, I, you know, kind of my past, not to get into that, but it's, <laughs> it's, um, I, I do have a soft spot for the way they write this character at this time. Yeah. Now his character evolves through time to where it's, it's not really much of a thing anymore. So I don't always feel the same way about it, but at, during these times, I definitely have a soft spot for the character, and I, I actually I like how they handle it a lot. His relationship with his dad. No, it's good in here. And then like you have you have you know he start Shredder start to mention the hunt, and then it kicks back to April and Casey. They're you know because Casey's living with them, they're still they're in the hideout, which makes sense. I mean, and I like this. She's back to her hair. You can tell it's growing a little <laughs> bit. Well, because different artists, but you know I just I really like their relationship in here and how like. You know, she even says she's like, college is what I'm focusing on right now because that's what I have when everything else has gone to shit. And he's not, you know, she's, you know, so she wants him to be involved in the schooling where Casey's like, 
well, I can't play you know hockey anymore, so fuck school type of thing. I think it it shows a very interesting character dynamic between the two because every like us in real life, we we deal with stressors and and issues in our own way, and we we yeah. relieve that stress in our own way. And Casey is is not the one that's going to bury his head in books like, oh yeah, this is going to distract me. Not a, not a damn chance. Besides <laughs> the fact that he has so much on his plate that it's amazing that he hasn't snapped or had a meltdown yet. Yeah, he just got and she's too much. trying to be there for him, you know and. She's doing what she can, but being that they are from technically two different worlds, you know, they're doing the best they can to, to meet on some middle ground. Yeah, I mean, he's trying, but he can't like, you know, it, you can. And I, and I do like how much they show the struggle for her in this. I thought that was really good to show that struggle and to show what she's going through, you know, trying to help him. Yeah, I mean, this time for, for not only these human characters, but the turtles is is a, a trying time you know they, there's a lot still at stake there's a lot they still have to to carry on their shoulders throughout all this and then you see like the gauntlet you know to talk about because they're gonna go meet harold which again ties back into you know that that random micro series issue with donatello yeah yep. and and back then when i first read that micro series i'm not thinking like oh yeah this character is going to be around for a long time or it's not going to have any real significance boy was i wrong <laughs> We were, we both were, but this, I mean, it's like, it's just not what you would expect. Yeah, It's so weird that that comes back to, I, I felt like how there's very little stuff in, in these books that are throwaway. Yeah. Except for those freaking, mm-hmm. you know, French ninjas. <laughs> everything, nothing else is throwaway. Just those assholes. And then you, you have Han go back to the bar and visit his friend, Angel's father. And like, this is a powerful ass scene where, you know, like, yes, he gives up alcohol, which is a great thing, but. He's a he's a worse person than he was, I think, before the alcohol. Damn near. At least when he was drinking, he was at home and and kind of ruining his own life and his sons. Not to mention that, I suppose. But yeah, he wasn't I sitting mean, out here terrorizing the world. He wasn't destroying neighborhoods. He wasn't ri- uh, robbing banks and armored cars. And he affects a lot more people at this stage in his life and his, his now quote career. <laughs> and like how much he flipped because i think franklin makes a comment about because they know who you know who almost killed casey and he makes a comment about it, like you know now you're working for the guy that gutted your son and he just fucking flips and that's when you get the scene of when when shredder told him yeah i i almost i, I almost killed him <laughs> but if i meant to kill him he'd be dead yeah like, it's almost worse that he knows ahead of time because if brooklyn would have said this to him like before shredder told him can you imagine what his reaction might have been you know like all that either one he didn't he won't believe brooklyn which is debatable or two he's gonna be like you know what fuck this i need to do something about shredder yeah lied to me and he could have even turned into a a damn anti-hero at that point (sighs) shredder just plays it well though yeah he played the manipulation card got to him early or not early enough and you see the the repercussions from that by brooklyn getting slammed into his own liquor supply <laughs> yeah he beat i mean he beat the shit out of like the three people there and he's and then angel finally shows up and he's ready to kill her too well he doesn't give a damn and he's he's not not only beating up his best friend but then threatening his his well, former friend's daughter somebody yeah. that was i'm sure was like a, a niece to him as she grew up yeah, had to been but he's just that shitty of a person <laughs> And, like, you really see it in here. I will say this, though. Is I, I kind of loved these story arcs with Hun. 
and purple dragons in, in general because it just reminds me of double dragon so much <laughs> and he would be a badass double dragon boss yeah you are 100 percent right i i i want there probably was inspiration taken from double dragon for, for him for uh, maybe i mean purple dragons were around at first mirage issue actually so did that predate double dragon uh 84 what no is it 85 or 84 is turtles 84 is turtles so i I think double dragon came on after that i can't character of hun yes it could have been well hun uh, is 2003 yeah so he's much later but he had different origins back then yeah this is more double dragon-esque so yeah it could have inspired it (laughs) and then the this part ends where casey shows up at the bar because he, he wants Casey because he wants to, t- you know, well, because he's going to offer him a deal. You know, join the guy that tried to murder you and he'll let you live if you join him. Like, you know, that's that's See, that, that's, <laughs> that's the logic of, of Hunt. That's his flawed, shitty logic. And Casey, I mean, realistically speaking, like, what can you do in this situation other than leave town and just because who told him who told him go start a new life? I think it was Hunt himself who told him, like, hey, let's go, go start a new life. Get out of here. And it honestly, probably at the time was probably his best option because what's going to happen otherwise he he and his dad have to kill each other or nothing he, good fights until shredder kills him or he has to more so be careful and rely on the turtles but you see casey's all around on his own yeah and this really shows it too i mean they're all their interactions like he's just you know he really is alone in, in this even though he has the turtles and he has angel and he has april he feels completely you know solo he doesn't, you know, because he if Hun is his father, and he, I think, he feels very responsible. He has to deal with Hun. I do like how Hun offers him, like he's like, "Here, I got money. Go, I'll get out of town. Forget the turtles. Forget all of this, and just leave." And of course, yeah. he doesn't do it. But I like it that Hun wants, like, he's like, "I don't want to kill you. I don't want you to get killed. So I'll just leave." And I, I thought that was good. I thought that was really good. And we'll get back to a couple parts in this issue. But like the last mm-hmm. thing you see of Hun is he has a picture of him and Casey. He crumbles it up and just throws in the ground and walks away. Because yep. he's given up on Casey. And now he's going to try to kill him. <laughs> you you also have Casey going to the bar. And I think his name is Franklin blaming, you know, blaming Casey Brooklyn. and Angel for getting involved with the Turtles. Brooklyn is her dad. Brooklyn, okay. Like, it's not the Turtles' fault that your old friend is a psychopath. Like, it's because of Shredder. I mean, he was a psychopath anyway, but. It's because of Shredder. Like, you're you're putting the blame in the wrong spot. Well, and Brooklyn doesn't understand it, though. You, you know, he's kind of small time at this point. He's he's out of the... I mean, yeah, I'm sure he hears things and whatnot, but he's kind of out of the criminal element now. He's not a leader of the Purple Dragons like he might have been back in the day. And, and he probably barely knows Shredder, who, who he is, if at all. And what else is he going to do other than place the blame on, on the wrong people? He doesn't know what to do or what to make of yeah. it. Yeah. He, he just got his ass whooped by somebody that was supposed to be his best friend. That was before his best friend found out what mutant steroids were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's all I can think of with a mutant gen for Han is that it's a, it's a playoff steroid. Pretty much. I mean, uh, on, a, on a bigger scale. I mean, even well, yeah, I, I know. Heights. <laughs> I mean, there's only one human I can think of where, like, they really went from being a smaller guy. You know, maybe they were a wrestler and then they become a movie star and they just get gigantic. And I'm pretty sure that wasn't mm-hmm. by a good diet and exercise, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can put that one together pretty easily. <laughs> it's just funny because every so often I look back at the old, like, The Rock and stuff, and I'm like, and you see him now, and I'm like, my God, he just, like, looks like he ate the ate the old version of him. 
Yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> like, it really does. It's like, my it God. <sighs> How does that happen, huh, Rick? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Just uh, <laughs> eat a lot more, man, and work out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's it. Take a few shots in between. <laughs> yeah. One shots either, just uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, But hey, I guess money does help when you have money, too, so. Uh, that brings us to the next issue, 34. And so I, I got to mention this oh, cover. because wait, wait one second. Oh. I mean, the the interaction between Leo Splinter. and Splinter, and, unless, unless you're good about that. No, we can talk about it. I, I forgot, then I remembered. Yeah, one thing to note is when Leo's coming down the stairs, do you see the railing? I, I believe, is that not when, what's his name was there? Shri- slash? Well, let me pull up, probably, it's the same place. Oh yeah, no, that's definitely that's where slash they fight slash and he falls and stuff. Yeah, that's where that's cool. Him. Okay, so that's, that's a really cool callback cool. they have there. And but I, I they guess don't other than that the scene. They don't, they don't leave really that do spot either. So much. The whole the whole arc for them takes place in that spot. Yeah. That was another thing interesting because this this almost this doesn't really feel like a four issue story arc because like this also doesn't say like part one part two like we have with a lot of different issues. This is just different issues, but they all kind of connect, I guess, into the way that at least the way that this the timeline thing that we use does it for us, mm-hmm. which makes me sad. Um, we, we get farther ahead. There's no, yeah. or, or, it's just <laughs> nothing. Yeah. When, when you talked about um picture, I thought that was very, one of the most powerful moments I've seen a while for a while in the comic, just kind of like, as he looks at that picture, it shows that emotional look on his face. He stares at it for a bit, crumples it kind of indicating he's letting, he's saying goodbye. Yeah, he's I mean, fully that's... committing to saying goodbye to to his whatever broken relationship he has with his son. I mean, that is what's happening because the next time you see it, you know, he's ready to kill him. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's no break. Falls the wall, gas pedal to the floor. Like it's he doesn't care. It's over. It's also kind of the thing. I feel like it could also be a thing of being very loyal to your job too, in a sense. Like the job gives him meaning in his life now. Because well, yeah, you know, it's a, he has nothing else. He he says it too. I think in that scene when he talked to to Casey, I think he said it something along those lines. Like yeah. that is who he is, and he has if it's if he doesn't have that what he calls a job, he has no purpose in life. That's not much of a job. <laughs> yeah. You're working for a murderer. Like well, I, will say, off. I will say, Han is good at it. <laughs> so I mean, yes, and they do show that throughout here. Like he, yeah, but and then the, the issue thirty four, like the cover. I didn't see where it was going. Like the cover has Donatello and April, and then it has it says eliminate threat. And I did not, I did not assume what character I was gonna get, which made me get the biggest smile on my face when I realized who's in this little one issue. Yeah, I think once you because I I didn't either when I first read this, I didn't know where they were going with it. But it, it once you realize who it is and what that cover means, it's like oh yeah, that's pretty cool that they even uh, hinted like that. And one of my one of the characters I really like too. We'll talk about shortly, but I was happy to see that. And again, more stuff with Harold, like the way that this issue and the way this issue starts, you have April worrying about Casey and Casey almost smacks her in the face with a baseball bat because he's such on edge over what happened, you know, with his father. And he you know, just, you know, they're like, hey, we're going to go, you know, we're going to go see Harold, Donatello, April, and they invite Casey. Casey, like, you know, doesn't want to come with them because he needs to be alone. So instead, Angel kind of joins him. And I was very confused. I'm like, why is Angel coming with him? Like, what does she have to do with much? You know, but now I can, I can see as reading this, like, they got big plans for her coming up in the next arcs, I feel. Yeah, I wouldn't say maybe the grandest of plans, but she's a character that I don't mind. And they, I think they utilize her pretty decently. I agree. I 
she's grown on me. When I first saw her, I didn't really care for her as a character. And now I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm on board. And, and after this issue, I was on board more. Well, I think in, in most cases in this comic, that's going to be, well, until way later. And you'll see then. But <laughs> <laughs> until that point, uh, most characters are not only interesting, but they're redeemable. So yeah. they, they, they know how to build the character and they know how to make it interesting. No, they definitely do. And like they go back to Harold Harold's place and he's you know, the guy that gave him the equipment. And he's all angry at them for ruining their equipment. But also Donnie brings back the thing from the, the Ultron Empire issue where the last one of that where he got the teleporter instruction and he gives it to Harold to help him try to make this transporter. Like, you know, stuff that kind of plays along and it just everything connects. And I and I love that. So I do have a question. The armor that, that Angel finds that Harold had made that she ends up putting on in this issue. Is that from anything else before? Uh, nobody, I think, was in the original Mirage, too. Okay. It, yeah, like, as far as IDW, that that wasn't anything. That was just something. No, no, I knew it was new for here, but it, it just yeah. the fact that, like, throughout, later on in this issue, when she does put on the armor, she says, well, I'm a nobody. I'm like, there's no way that that's got to be a reference. You know, well, yes, I know they're making a new character, essentially, but, like, I'm like, this has to be a reference to something in Mirage. That's all I took it. Yeah. Because I watched enough of that stupid cartoon and collected those figures that I don't remember a nobody character. So it also wouldn't have worked yeah. with their the toy design because it would have two normal legs and two normal arms. And that wasn't a thing for the toys. They had to have weird legs and weird arms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she <laughs> she was uh, well, not Angel herself. It was a different character in the suit. And the suit looked much different also. But it, that character was in Mirage. OK, that's what I figured. Because this feels like such a throwback to Mirage at times, too. Which is great. I mean, yeah. now, obviously, as we talked about before, not only Mirage with the cartoon and, and, you know, even the movies at certain points. But, yeah, they, they do a good job of throwing that in there and making them relevant. Which I, I appreciate. And, like, when they're at Harold's place, you know, he ends up, she finds a sheet on some random thing that he gets all upset. And it turns out it's a metalhead mm-hmm. they uncover. And I was like, fuck, yeah. I mean, I know it's different. I, I don't know if this is Mirage. I don't the 87. If I remember correctly, the 87 cartoon, Donatello built Metal, Metalhead. That is his name, right, Metalhead? Metalhead, yeah. I mean, okay. Metalhead in the cartoon, I think, was purely an enemy. And here, you'll yeah. see, like, not even Metalhead, and like, right, you see him right now, and it's interesting, which is cool. But wait till you see what, where that goes with this robot. Okay. It, I, you're, you're not, you're not going to be expecting where it goes. I, I don't I Google can, nothing. I won't but, search. But, <laughs> one damn thing when it comes to these comics anymore you can't it has, it has like all right so here's one thing i was thinking about too was that each turtle at some point has like a, an, a, a very big arc that kind of like centers around them for the most part i, I know rafts was like at the start of the the series like he was lost they had to find him and then you got donnie later on which is a very interesting arc you'll see when we get there Leo, when he was with the foot, the only one I can think about is like Mikey. I, I think his is going to come more so with Hob later on. Okay. And, and you'll see, but uh, each turtle kind of has their own thing going on, and they're all very interesting. No, I'm definitely excited, and I love how this 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 series makes sure all the characters matter. Yeah. And like yeah. even in this like, four issue arc, I mean, you know, each issue kind of feels. I mean, not all the turtles, but it all feels based on a certain like. You know, first one's very much about Casey. This one's very much about Donatello and April. Like, it does a good job with that. And and in this entire series, or arc, I should say, it's mainly focused on Donnie and Leo. Like, Mike and Raph are kind of taking more of a backseat, I feel. What what I do like about Donnie, especially during this arc, 
and other ones to come. He he's always looking at the bigger picture, and that somebody like him is is what they should be portraying with him. I think they hit it like right on the head with with that character development for him. For sure. Like in this like in this issue with Metalhead, I mean, you know, and again it brings up that micro series where he's like, Yeah, well when Baxter tried to trick me, so I had to make security and it made sense to make it a turtle. And I like how he tries to control it with a remote control and then it just breaks it in half and says, No, I'm good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh that was cool and like it just it was a badass too. Like they only you know, tries to kill April because she worked for Stockgen and he programmed all of Stockgen. It isn't until finally a- Angel takes it out when she puts on the when she puts on the nobody suit, she's able to beat it after a fight. I thought that was right. really cool. It was just it was just really cool to see Metalhead. It was cool to see her become more of a character. Like you can tell that they gave her powers now essentially, so she's gonna be more involved, my guess. And she actually names Metalhead too. Yeah, which I, I like that too. Yeah, I mean she's for the most part that she she has a pretty good run and i don't they don't ever fully take her out but she will be a little more prominent as we go okay i'm all right i, I mean i also feel like all this is just gearing up for attack on technodrome I, that's what that's how i assume what's happening a lot of this is the, is the big build-up for that i mean obviously especially donnie's whole deal so yeah. a lot of it comes together as you you you've seen and we'll get to there but the, the end of the final issue in this one but yeah we can cover that later. can't wait and then the last page of this after the fight the last page of this is you see one of the scientists that work for stock gen gets held up at gunpoint by hob and hob and slash show up and you know he's like she, she's talking on the phone she's like oh i can't find any i can't find any work and then hob's like great job your job hunt is over <laughs> yeah he forces a job on her <laughs> that's Lindsay. so Lindsay has um also some big involvement as we go along this is this truly is only the start of her and hob i figure this will be this will go a long way i assumed that like based on reading this this issue and everything i was like yeah i could i could tell like i'm excited because you'd also have since we started doing this you made comments like back from the first issue about hob wanting an army when we first covered that arc two over two years ago and it's something that's been with me ever since and i and again, I can't. This is a series where I you can't. I can't look anything up because anything I look up will have. I'll spoil myself. I I can't. Mm-hmm. I just got to read. <laughs> so, and that brings us to issue thirty-five. And the cover with this one kind of threw me for a loop because the cover is slash slashing at Michelangelo, and I was very confused. I'm like, so they're gonna fight them? They're gonna turn against them? Like I didn't. The implications of the cover were not what I expected. Well, and then you see the next one, too, with Raph on his back. <laughs> yeah, and that ugly style, yes. <laughs> I don't like Eastman's style. I just don't. That's <sighs> yeah, not for everybody. Eastman's still involved in this, right, at, the, at this time? Yeah, he's he's still, I think, doing a lot of consulting and, and writing. Because Laird's not involved, right? No. Because okay. I remember, wasn't Lair involved with the comics for a little bit after they sold it? Or he kept the rights to it? I can't remember. Well, Laird, Laird sold his rights to Eastman. So Eastman was almost like the sole owner at that point. I don't. I, I think he might have been involved. It sounds very familiar that at some point he was involved in maybe certain stories uh, or even other projects. But his he doesn't have, as far as I'm aware, doesn't have any rights anymore. Okay, because I, I know when he sold it to Nickelodeon, with Nickelodeon, which is twenty before twenty twelve, I thought he kept he kept the comic book rights in case he wanted to do it again. Laird, I, I don't think so. He, okay, I, I thought Laird maybe it was Eastman. Him, then uh, I can't. Eastman, I, Eastman still has a stake in it. 
Okay, I can't remember. I get confused with what did what. I know they had a fallen out for a while, and they had nothing to do with each other, and then they did reconnect finally again. But mm. I can't remember everything. All I got to say is I'm really glad these IDW exist. So that's all I got to say. Because yeah, yeah. this got me back. Because of reading these, I'm back in the Turtles. So it's big time. This is so, what we needed. Our generation, we needed something like this because we can't go watch the cartoons for the most part. Like this, this is what we okay. It's still hard. It's it's hard to watch. I've been trying to watch all three, and I it, it's hard. It's way better than the '87 cartoon, but it's hard. It is. It's still it's a because it's still not cartoon. made for us necessarily. No. You know, so it's um, that's why I haven't really committed to it 100 percent because the only the only way that I'm probably going to get through it is those recaps that you ended up doing. You only need to watch the recaps, by the way. I watched all that and I enjoyed it nonstop. Those YouTube videos by some random guy that made recaps of each season. That was enough. To, I know the whole series now, and I know everything that happened. I don't need to watch it. Good. So, yeah, I'll watch the recaps. You'll, you'll, you can absorb it all that way and be good. So, <laughs> And then this issue, this issue kind of starts off with something I like, too. You see Woody again, and they're picking up a pizza from Woody. Like, it's nice to see, you know, stuff is kind of reconnect. This is very a Michelangelo Raphael issue, too, because they're just together. They're going to go see Hob, you know? And yeah. I like how Mikey's like, yeah, Hob, he's a good guy now. He's not doing anything shady. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, gullible Mike. <laughs> you know, they as they they tend to write him. Yeah, I, I like it. Like his line is, "I don't know, Ralph, Ralph. He did take a bullet rescuing Leo. Could be he's really changed. Could be he's practically a good guy now." And then the same page where it says that you see him holding the gun to Lindsay while she's tied up. Yeah, and it was kind of funny that they did that. And I will say this about Mikey though, like he he kind of is the bridge for a lot of people. I mean, just look at, look at how, how he gets along with slash. He, yeah. he and Hob later on down the line are, are going to have some sort of partnership in a way that we'll see. So Mikey is, is, is a bridge builder, whereas all the other brothers are kind of to themselves. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Hob is definitely grown on me. Like I know you said it a long time ago. You're like, yo, he's grown on me a lot. You said I'd appreciate him more as the, as the, as the book went on. And then you have you have some stuff with Casey where you have him uh, flashing back to when he got accepted to college, talking with his mother because he's visiting her grave. There's a couple things I noticed here. I mean, one yes. is that is this not the first time that we've seen her? <sighs> we see not. This is the first time we've seen her not in a bed dying. Oh, OK. So, yeah, they did show that at least. I see. All right. Yeah, they sh- they show a little that. bit. They think they show when she promised him because they show the the necklace that he got her something to do with a necklace that the asshole, his father, before he becomes Hun, sold mm-hmm. to the, in that issue, which I forget what that was. It might've been the micro series, a Casey Jones issue, but that's a lot. We don't see much of her. This is the, the first time we thing, see her health. Yeah. And the other thing, first time that we actually see that Casey has a middle name. Oh, I didn't even catch that. But yes, right yes, on yes. the envelope, which is his dad's name. I'm sure he's real happy about that. <laughs> I'm sure he, yeah. <laughs> okay, I didn't catch that. I didn't, wasn't paying enough attention in my two readings of this issue. My two readings. <laughs> I read it twice. You know That's me. A good I, one. It's a, it's a good I can't one. stop reading this this stuff. And there's Casey, as he said, in the cemetery, and then the whatever gang is in the Double Dragon game shows up. <laughs> <laughs> I do like how he's like, how'd you know it was me? And you're, how'd you find me? He's like, this is where you always go when you want to feel sorry for yourself. And Hun's going to kill him. He fully intends to end it right now. Which is fucked up. <laughs> yep. Just when you thought this guy probably couldn't get any worse. Oh, he keeps getting worse. And then it cuts back to Mikey and Raph- and Raphael uh, go to Hobbs' apartment. And I, okay, I laughed at this where, you know, they come there. 
they open the door and he's like, I got pizza for you. And then freaking slashes breaks open the door. He's like, pizza. And that's a theme. That's an ongoing theme with anything around Hob. As much as he wants to build an army and he wants mutant order, anytime anybody's around him, it's pure fucking chaos, as you'll get to see as the series goes on. I even just saw on this issue, like, you know, because they, they go in there and they're like, so, what, so what's up, Rob? You know, what's up, Hob? Do you want to open the door? And they see Lindsay tied up and then they see, and, hi, I'm Pete. <laughs> oh, fucking Pigeon Pete. You know what? <laughs> Pigeon Pete stays around for a while, man, and he's. <laughs> He's actually kind of a funny character. They they didn't do too bad on him. Uh, is he from anything else? Like was he in? Nah, the... I, I think he's. I think he's an original one. He's fucking funny though in this because they're they're. I mean, you have them trying to figure out what the hell's going on, and then like almost every page you have Pete going, "Hi, I'm Pete." Because <laughs> you just keep. Also, pigeons have no memory, which is a real thing. Like they have, I think it's like a twenty second memory or something. Mm, yeah. So they can't. So that's also the joke. Like he's repeating himself because he doesn't remember that he already introduced himself. <laughs> and he probably doesn't know very many other words than what he's saying because he's I mean, a newly turned mute. Are dumb, you know? Because they do explain something in here. I think it's this issue where the reason they need Lindsay is it because is. they need a scientist actually put, have their their process to to create these mutants in a more intelligent manner or a more efficient manner. Because otherwise, you just throw some ooze on a pigeon, and you get this idiot. <laughs> I just like how it's, he's just holding a revolver. Oh, yeah. And I was <laughs> thinking about that, too. It's like, they really, this guy only knows high on Pete, and they give him an actual gun. Yes. Like, that could have went off on accident anytime. <laughs> Why Lindsay's duct taped to a chair. So. If, she's, if she's not ready to damn near piss herself with this idiotic pigeon, I don't. that's got to be horrifying. <laughs> idiotic. Hi, I'm Pete. Hi, I'm Pete. Yeah. <laughs> I was laughing my ass off when I saw Pete. I was like, this is fucking funny. This or is when good. Slash all this right here was points at them. He's like, look, new friends. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so the he, only intelligent hmm. person in, in the army of Hobbs so far is only Hobbs. <laughs> I can't wait to see where things go with Hobb. I'm really excited. Sure, you have an idea, but yes. Oh yeah, no, I know he's gonna get a mutant war and army. I know they're gonna probably pull a lot of the weird mutants that I remember from there being toys as kids. They're gonna be like, we'll make them as actual characters now. I'll say uh, you'll you'll recognize a few of them. We'll go over them when we get there, but there will be a few. Some, some I think at least one or two are rather original. Okay. Uh, well, maybe more than one. It's a, maybe a few are original, but there's a few from back then. But it has me excited to see where it goes. Like I'm. The more I read, the more I get even just into this series, which I find impressive. How much the series keeps pulling me in. I never yeah, expected Yeah, it doesn't falter yet. I mean, you got a while before that happens. I know. You said, what, issue 100-ish is when things start getting bad? Yeah, it starts going down around there. Okay. Eh, we're, we still got a while to go. <laughs> <laughs> so I plan to read as much as I can until that. And even then, we'll see how I, how, how deep I am at that point yeah. where I'm like, fuck it. Yeah, we'll we'll see how we feel then, and if it makes sense and we can tolerate it, fine. How bad can it be? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's still going. Well, it is. I mean, it, it doesn't mean, because I'm not saying, like, oh, the series is absolute shit out of that. Because it, it, it does have some high points. The art is good. The storytelling and the shift in t- drastic shift in tone, I feel, okay. that that hurts a lot. And, and again, you'll see. It'll probably um, be But year, it, it does, but yes. like, where I'm at, at least, it starts to kind of, I feel it tries tends to track upward as far as enjoyability. Like it, I don't, I don't really 
despise it as much. It's, it's tolerable, more so where I'm at now. Okay. I, I look forward to getting there. And then to end this, the other part of this issue, you have Casey meets Hun in the, in the graveyard. You have him fighting, fighting everybody in the, in the, oh, you know, and, the game. And, and, and this is kind of where he loses it. I mean, yeah. this, this guy is going berserk power up doom mode. And, right here, and and this is this is like the ultimate showdown, damn near between these two, in a great setting too. The graveyard it feels very good yeah. setting. And he's gonna kill him, like he's uh, just about to kill him. Like he picks him up, you know, he's ready to finish it, and then he gets tased <laughs> uh, by Angel. Mm-hmm. That's cool. How like they show that you know she's kind of you know has she must have saved Otacon when she escaped Shadow Moses because she has the hollow, you know, she's how she can blend in here the camouflage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you you see her beat the shit out of all of them by using the you know the kinetic telekinesis, not telekinesis, the freaking levitation thing. She levitates a bunch of the gang members. She lasers a rock, or whatever. That Hun just yeah. punches. Well, lasers a gravestone. He just punches it to smithereens. Like shows you how much damage he would have killed Casey with that punch. Yeah. By the way, you can tell that would have been it. Yeah, if he's breaking the, that damn headstone like that. Yeah, Casey would have been the, <laughs> The last thing with Casey before we jump back to the other part is he ends up going on a roof with Angel because she has to get back to Harold. And you can just see how defeated he is in this. Like, he's just, you know, just not all right, which makes sense. I mean, his father tried to murder him and, you know, he doesn't know what to do. Yeah. And, and, and you could you could argue and say, like, all oh, the turtles should be more supportive around this time, whatever, whatever. But turtles got a lot going on themselves. They, they got a lot on their plate. They're trying to just at the end of the day, some save the world. Get rid of Shredder and save the world from Krang. Yeah, they don't. They also don't. I mean, they don't understand what he's going through because they, they have don't. their father. They do. And and they have a strong family structure, whereas Casey is the exact opposite of that. Besides that, Casey is not the type to necessarily show his feelings. And he he tend, he was pushing them away in the, in the like the past issue. He was pushing the turtles away, he was pushing April away. And what are they going to do? Beg them? No, they don't give a shit. I mean, not they don't understand. They got enough going on. I mean, and he also does not, you know, he, like, April's trying to connect with him, but at the same time, he's having a hard time connecting with her, which fits because of everything he's going through. Because mm-hmm. he, he probably doesn't understand how to handle those emotions or how to, you know, trust somebody after, you know, the fact that you're supposed to trust your father and your father wants to murder you because the mm-hmm. man that gutted you told him to. So, hey. Yep. And then so to go back to we have the stuff with you. Yeah. This is interesting, <laughs> and I do like how. Every page. Hi, I'm Pete. Every single damn page, he just keeps saying. It. I love it. I love it. <sighs> and like, you know, Hobbs, you know, trying to explain to him, he's like, "Yeah, we, I need Lindsay." Like, you know, because look what happens when I take mutagen and, you know, make whatever I want. I made this shit. <laughs> yeah, this deformity, this disaster. <sighs> it's fucking hilarious. So I don't know. I just they, found they, Pete way funnier than I thought I should than I should have. Oh, and he's great, man. As the series goes on dipshit and and you'll you'll like it even more as it goes okay i'm I'm on board for that and this like you know so finally Raphael unties a uh, Lindsay and she's ready to work with him she's like yeah i want to continue my work so sure and like her face when hob pulls out the blood splinter's blood and i like how Raphael's like wait a second <laughs> what is that what i think yeah, it he's is like, how the hell did you get that buddy <laughs> <sighs> I found that, that interesting. Means Hob should like realistically, they should not be talking to this guy. Like, he is so, for the most part, untrustworthy. Yes, he helped them out in his own way, but man, it's hard to be around a guy that you can't trust like that. No, and they shouldn't be trusting him at all. He's he's bad. But he's an, another manipulator. Yeah, I mean, he's also a cat too, which I find funny. But 
Well, I, I will say, yeah, that too. He, well, cunning, like most cats are meant to be cunning. And, yeah. But he, um, he truly does care for fellow mutants. Like that's no bullshit. Like he doesn't want an army just to cause chaos and do whatever. Like he wants to be treated as almost as an equal or, or superior. And he wants his other mutants to thrive because anytime he runs into most humans, what ends up happening? He gets treated like shit. He gets shot. He's experimented on. And he's yeah. starting to build that resentment towards the majority of them. Also, it really goes on to how people treat something they don't understand. Fear. No. And they don't understand Hob, so Hob is treated with fear. No. It and fits he the wants narrative. To give them the something that he wants to give them something to fear even more. All right, you want to fear me? I'll give you a reason. <laughs> That's what's coming, huh? That's kind of his, his goal in a way. But you'll see as, as he builds his army... That he does truly care about them. And he makes big mistakes with them and, and makes it seem the other way, but he cares. Okay. I'm, as I said before, I can't wait. And then, like, you, so then to get the blood and, you know, he's showing her the, you know, the mutagen, everything he has. And, and then, you know, she's like, well, I can experiment on Slash because Slash was, you know, in a controlled environment. And he just grabs the blood and injects himself. And this was yep. not what I expected at all. Like, this threw me for a loop when this all happens. The way that things go. Like when Slash gets injected and he just goes crazy, all of a sudden he just and he you know knocks off Mikey Raphael. He throws him like you know, and all of a sudden freaking Hob is like a sh- like a shock like a freaking electrocuting shotgun type thing like a taser. Yeah, it's like <laughs> a big giant ass taser. I, I like that, like that, and and then all of a sudden like you know Slash just clicks. He's like and he starts talking normal for the first time, and I was like, this is cool because now I'm getting Slash more like the Slash I want, not this. I didn't like the way he was. The dumb monster, yeah. Yeah. It was just really cool. And then, like, Lindsay pretty much just joins him. When it was the weirdest thing. It, like, Slash was kind of like a, like another Toka. Yeah. I didn't like that. I'm okay with Toka being an idiot, but Slash is one of my favorite tur- it, turtle characters. Like, I like him a lot. And seeing him be this really dummy, I didn't appreciate. So I'm happy that they changed it. It was just cool. And just, I, I look forward to seeing now that Slash is... You know, more nor I look, you know, smarter. I look for I want to see where it goes. I, I'm very curious. So that relationship between him and Mikey is one to follow. Okay. And that especially now that he's more intelligent, like it you see the dynamic between the two grow. I'm very, very interested to see. And then this brings us to the last page of this issue where you have Leo and Splinter still talking, they're still in the sewer, and it just says, Just remember, man, no matter how bad things get, you're never as alone as you think, and then you just see behind them rat eyes and i was like is this what i think it is <laughs> mm-hmm. you're you're right in some ways and you'll well i'll explain a little more as we go but even in the second to last panel you see some eyes and a couple rats back are just kind of lurking in <laughs> it was i was like they're i mean so my first idea was okay they're bringing a rat catcher it wasn't what i expected though for like what this iteration brings you mean yeah yeah yeah, it's, it's it's way different than any other iteration of the character, and we'll we'll definitely talk more about that in this one. It was so that brings us to the last issue we're going to talk about for this episode, and this starts off like it starts off like a nursery rhyme where the rat catcher is like, "Once upon a time, rats they fought the dogs and killed the cats and bit the babies in the cradles and ate the cheeses out of the vats and licked the soup from the cook's own ladles." Like I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, it was, just, it was very strange. That's the first page. And, and I, I'm glad they did that. I, I love the art that they used for it, that storybook kind of art. 
I think it really sets the tone for some weird shit that's about to come. It's and then it jumps back to Leo and and Splinter in the sewer, and they're like, "Why don't we take a walk?" And then they start walking. Uh, this also jumps to a very small scene that we have to mention real quick. It's just where Casey almost beats the shit out of April's parents because he sees them <laughs> trying to break into the building because they forgot their keys, and he's just ready to hit them with a baseball bat. It was very cool. Like you well, know, it shows it, you <laughs> how frazzled he is. And yeah, he's on edge, and and but it also shows how good of parents April has, and that they're willing to um, treat him as family too. Something he needs also. I liked it. And then, like, they're the parents like that he almost never had. Yeah, and he, they take him in. They're like, "Come on in." Like, well, you know, we'll talk to you. And and then like, I think that's the end of his interaction. Yeah, that's the end of his interaction in this issue. The rest of the issue is all about Leo and Splinter, mm-hmm. which. So they're walking through the they're walking through the sewer and then all of a sudden everything goes dark and they just can't move. And I at first I thought because then all of a sudden it says, but you may call me the Rat King. I thought that they just happened to walk into the area where he was at. I didn't understand. Well, understand very quickly, but that this guy is not a normal person because <laughs> yeah. Rat King. Is he from Mirage Comics or is he was he in the cartoon originally? He was actually in the Mirage. I kind of remember that arc. It was okay. actually kind of a cool arc back then, too. Obviously, he wasn't godlike. God? Yeah, but and and this is probably the best iteration I've ever had of him. It's it's very cool to see. Like, I mean, I was just very confused when you first see him, and then he you see him eat a rat, and I'm like, okay, this is not a normal, you know, like, there's something wrong here, and they're both frozen. And then he has both of them covered with rats. Or no, he talks about himself like the more nursery rhyme then you find out that it's the same rat king essentially from the nursery rhymes that you know the pied piper like it's the same guy he's been around that was through dawn of mankind if not before and then he mentions kitsune i thought he's like my sister is you know around and i was like okay this is getting interesting now well i told you there's more to kitsune and this guy let you know about it (laughs) i really like that that he's like that's why I'm in I'm in play now is because, you know, she's doing stuff. So it's time for me to show up in this great game, he calls it. And I, yeah, I so, really like that. And, and this guy all in in this game. And, and you'll see, actually, as we go, it's more than just Kitsune and, and Rat King that are playing this game. Oh, I figured there's more. There's more and, characters uh, involved. There's whole arcs that surround the Turtles with them meeting these individuals, how they meet them what their relationships will be with them and Rat King as time goes. So this is really, really the first time, other than some of the stuff you saw Kitsune do, that you're looking at right now the the big overarching story of the entire series. Okay. That's not what I expected, but that got me excited. There you go. <laughs> I won't give you any more details than that because no, we're we're making pretty good progress. Yeah. So. Okay. And then you, you have both well, Splinter and Leo get covered in rats. That was a weird image to see. Yeah. So, and the Rat King knows that Splinter is like he knows who they are. Like he knows, like, oh, it's so weird how a you know a rat is actually a man, and and the, like you know he knows exactly what they are and their you know their past lives and everything. And then you have like a you have a two page spread of Leo in his Chunin gear fighting a fake Splinter, except he actually hurts the real Splinter, and Splinter is fighting. Oh no, Splinter's fighting Leo's Chunin. And Leo's fighting a fake splinter. That's what it was. Right. Yeah. And then he, he hits him in the arm, but then you find out that like when they come back to reality, he has that injury on his arm. Yeah, that could have went really bad. 
So it was very strange. And like Leo's about to kill the Rat King. I mean, I don't think he could because I'm assuming it's not the case. But then the Rat King makes them forget everything that happened to them. So they have no memory of meeting him. But I was not expecting Rat King to be a, like a fucking god. That was yeah. not something I expected with the character. Yeah, he. Um, I think the way they describe it are demigods. Okay. Yeah, that's probably more accurate. I'm not like so these sh- individuals can die, but not in a traditional sense. And you'll see what happens if and when one dies. Okay. It was just very cool to see because they took a character that, like, from what I remember, the cartoon Ratcatcher is just a weird guy that lives in the sewers that talks to rat has rats. Like he's not he just controls rats. That's a yeah. yeah and that's like I think all the different interactions I've ever seen of him is just a weirdo that controls rats. Or in the Turtles in Time game, drives a really cool toy that I had, and yeah, <laughs> like mm-hmm. he's not. It was very it was very cool to see him as like this you know demigod being. I really liked that. Yeah, so. it was uh, when I first saw it. I I was like, wow, a character that I didn't hate in the past. But holy shit, are they doing? They're they're really being progressive with this, and uh-huh. I want to see where it goes. Well, I know I can't wait, and I love how they keep putting new thing, you know, new arcs into this that are all going to play into the same thing. Like my prediction is that Shredder's killed around issue one hundred. That's my prediction because of there being a miniseries called Shredder in Hell. So <laughs> my prediction. <laughs> And anything, okay. no, I know. And like, I'm assuming that after attack and technodrome, Krang's going to be put in the back burner for a little bit or whatever happens in the vengeance. Cause that's, I, I can't wait. Like we're, we're not that far away yeah. from issue 50. Yeah, I know. Yeah, man, I can't wait. I'm very excited. All right. And then the last part of this issue after they, you know, they realize something had happened and they don't, you know, cause he has a cut on his arm. They don't know why. So they know something happened, but they don't know what. So, but Leo, Leo just says, you know, he understood something like, and now that you turn that something about turn weakness into strength, and he think he he says he knows how to defeat Shredder. Essentially, I think is what it's supposed to be, you know, alluding to. But then the last page is you see Shredder arrive at General Krang's island, and he just says General Krang, and I was like, fucking hey, I want to read more. That's their that's their first meeting. You sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> I actually read the next first page of the next issue so I <laughs> but, whoops I guess you couldn't you had to get a taste of it huh <laughs> no I had to I had to look I couldn't stop myself but like it's just uh because again he gets in Utran Empire he gets the note saying about Krang and the teleporter thing so he then he goes and meet Krang like oh, fucking hey this this series just keeps going oh so good so yeah and then the next yep. thing the next episode of the show you'll hear will be us talking about a new Mutant Order and Turtles in Time, most likely. Unless they don't connect as well, then it'll just be one of them. But I'm assuming it'll be both. So you can look forward to. All right, and that brings us to Shelf Stacker Box. I'll go first. Uh, the annual, easy, go in the box. Trash. <laughs> Doesn't need <laughs> trash. Didn't need to be read. But I got to read almost, I got to read everything for the series because that's what I'm doing. But this mm-hmm. arc, these four issues that I had no, like, after North Hatton, like, okay, you know, I'll just probably be another chill. And the fact that these were just, like, they were just what I needed after. You know, I still, like, you're still recovering from City Fall. You still need a, still need some, you know, stuff that's kind of chill. And this was, this is going on the shelf. This is great. I really, really enjoyed these four issues that almost didn't fit together, but did at the same time. So, yeah, shelf. And what about you? Well, I think our views lately have been pretty parallel. Yeah. <laughs> um, the annual, I would uh, use the toilet paper. Yeah. I had a physical copy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, other than that, the, the rest of the arc, I, I love the rest of the arc. I, I can't find really many flaws at all with the rest of the arc. I thought 
not only was the art pretty good, but just just everything that they did. I feel like they balanced most of the characters out to where they gave them something. Not so much Raph and and Mikey, but even then, even the, their issue focus was good enough. It didn't have to be big scale, you know. But that, and the the introduction of the big main overarching storyline, whether most first time readers know it or not, keeps you interested anyway. So oh, yeah. yes, the rest of the arc, I would I would definitely uh, show up that. Okay. And again, I just can't get over how they just keep doing this. They just keep making this awesome. I keep thinking there's going to, it's like, you know, I was like, oh, and like ahead of time, like before we got this arc, I'm like, eh, maybe this won't be as good. And it's just like, nope, nope, still good. No, nah, it's good. I mean, it hit a few, it hits speed bumps now and then, but, but hit, what was the speed bump this time? An annual? <laughs> yeah. And again, you don't have to, annuals are just there. It was my, it's my I, choice I, to read the crap. So I, I, in most cases, I, I tend to look at them as, as throwaway anyway. I mean, actually now it's a little weird because I'm on the, um, 2022 annual that's the next issue i gotta read and that seems interest not only interesting but like it's gonna play a bigger role in what the storyline is right i'm looking forward to getting caught up to when jenica finally shows up yeah that's where things get more interesting you start seeing a little bit more speed bumps um, but either either way i i don't hate the character when we'll see more when we get there okay it'll be a long time but yes yeah yeah <laughs> got some time <laughs> you'll you'll probably see her before you even realize okay yeah i know she i I looked up a little bit so i i just see what her yeah. first appearance was and it, it's she, you see her before you actually see her so yep but we got a so long time that, for that never never look at a character and you know this by now never look at them as throwaway because you just don't know what plans they have for it and what they're going to do with it very little throwaway in this book in the series yeah and that kind of surprises me yeah, I'm telling you, man, like some, some of these characters that we've seen already and, and you would think like, man, there's no way they're going to last like 80 issues later. Surprise, buddy. <laughs> You'll see. Yeah. And, some, and people, that's... Some, some characters you think are going to last forever might not. I mean, that that's to me good writing. Yeah. Like I really thought those uh, stupid, you know, French ninjas are going to last longer. <sighs> so did I, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I completely get that. I'm actually glad they did it, though. So, yeah. Oh, and there's a TMT vs. Street Fighter comic? Is there? Yeah, like no, it comes out in May 2023, oh. so it's not out yet, but they're doing a... My God. So, yeah. people that are hearing this, it's already been out. <laughs> At least an issue or two. Okay. On. But, when is it, when uh, does it come out? May 2023. So, May of this oh, year. Okay. And people won't hear this till May, probably, so... I see. No, I, <laughs> so I have other issues to get out. I need to really check that out when it comes out. I mean, if it's canon, I'll, I'll fit it in where it goes, but if it's not... I doubt it'll be canon. It feels like something that'll be... It's under non-canon. Hey, buddy. Oh, is it? Because I was yeah. going to say, Ghostbusters are fucking canon. So yes, but that's because they own... Go- IDW owns the rights to Ghostbusters and comic. Oh, uh, yeah. They don't own yeah. the rights to Batman or Street Fighter, probably, or Power Rangers. That's why those, none of those are actual canon, because yeah. they don't own them. We should do those Power Rangers and Turtles eventually. Oh, we 100% are. We're doing Batman stuff, too. I'm just, I'm just waiting... So I'm also trying to kind of go with like what what came out when because the Batman is the first one that they did of the cross of the crossovers and I'm I trying to figure out when that came out but yeah no that's gonna happen I'm all on board I mean we're going through the entire much as you uh, yeah much as you want to we'll cover the whole damn thing I love it so <laughs> good good I can't believe how much I got into the con- I actually own the the first six issues of the Turtles and Batman stuff so I actually hey, bought it nothing, at a comic book store nothing wrong out. with that yeah. Good, good art. You did you read it already? 
Wait, a, a years ago, back in 2015. Yes, oh, 2016. Okay, okay, yeah. I haven't read it since. Worth it. Definitely worth it. I didn't realize there's three of them, though. Yeah, I think, what am I on right now? I think I'm on the third arc. I just never finished it. <laughs> I just can't. I mean, they just don't stop. <laughs> I'm glad they kept going with it, because when I first, when I read that, that first arc, I was like, oh, man, this is so good. I hope they come up with more. And they did. <laughs> they, hey, they understood. Batman sells. What can you say? Yeah. Or, I think that's... that's a really cool combination. Did, did you ever watch the uh, Turtles verse or and Batman uh, movie? Not yet. Purposely waiting to do an episode on it, so... Okay. Great, because that is also a good one. I'll have to get you and my Batman people, because I have a couple guys that do Batman with me all the time and do that, so... Yeah. I'll be coming up. All right, I think that's, that's all we need to say about this. So if you want to hear the rest of our Turtles content, you will see a link in the show notes with all our Turtles content that we have done, all the comic episodes, which I highly recommend listening to in order. If you're on board or if you read this, it doesn't matter, but definitely go check those out. Because they're, you can, hey, you'll get the whole, you'll get the whole comic series. I'll have to read the comic if you don't, you know, while you're listening. Hey, I think that's a great way to still get it. You know, you still absorb enough. I mean, you should read it, but you still absorb it. So whatever. But, and yeah, you might miss a, a few nice visuals otherwise, but you know. yeah, but you, you get the information. And if you enjoyed this episode, you support the show. You we have a Patreon. You can vote on our Patreon. It's a little dollar a month. We have polls every month, so definitely go check that out. And you can find all our episodes on Podbean for all our content. We have over 450 other episodes of this podcast. We cover games, movies, TV shows, all sorts of stuff. So definitely check all that out. I want to give a shout out to my awesome intro and outro courtesy of Helena at Hell Has Free. You can follow her on TikTok. And we'll give a shout out to my buddy Bill Tucker, who did the MCU movies with me. He started his own podcast, The Gamer Looks At 40. Definitely check him out. And we have a Discord. You can please join our Discord and chat with us. You'll see a link in the show notes. So that's everything I need to say. So we will see you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.